Welcome to another episode of the Drama New South Wales podcast. Today's episode is a little different and it's a longer one, but I think it's well worth it. Given everything that's happening in the world right now, Drama New South Wales thought it was important to have a discussion about social justice and the place that it has in the drama classroom. We all know that drama is an incredibly special subject when it comes to exploring issues of social justice. But what exactly does that look like? How do we avoid doing the wrong thing? And what are the practical things we can put into place as teachers to make sure that we're doing it in a way that's actually going to create change? I sat down with three experts, so to speak, when it comes to social justice, and we had a very interesting conversation about what we can be doing in our drama classrooms and how essential and important it is in this day and age to be teachers who value these things and put our students' voices at the forefront. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is a bit longer, but as I said, it's well worth listening. Kelly Freebody is an Associate Professor in Drama Education and Associate Dean Undergraduate Programs in the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Sydney. Kelly's research interests draw on methodological innovation and theory development in the area of applied drama for social justice, focusing on intersections between drama, social justice and education. Welcome Kelly. Thank you. We have Dr. Carol Carter. Carol Carter is the coordinator and lecturer of the Foundations in Education course and student academic conduct officer in the Pathways and Academic Learning Support Centre at the University of Newcastle. She is also conjoint lecturer in the School of Education, where she supervises a number of PhD students. She's taught at universities and served on drama and education committees in Australia and South Africa and has published and presented numerous papers, texts and workshops nationally and internationally. Her research interests include drama education, enabling education, social justice, equity and cultural and linguistic diversity, teacher education, early childhood education and alternative learning and teaching strategies. Welcome, Carol. And finally, we have Andrew Byrne. Andrew Byrne is a drama teacher from Victoria who's been teaching for eight years. He's the Head of Performing Arts at Paran High School. He's the President of Drama Victoria and the Director of Projects and Guidelines for Drama Australia. He's currently undertaking a Master's of Education in Research at the University of Melbourne. And his research focus is on how teachers and students can effectively and meaningfully produce contemporary Indigenous theatre in the VCE Theatre Studies classroom. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. All right, we're going to start off with some questions around social justice. And um, Kelly, you say in a chapter of one of your books uh, called How Drama Activates Learning, Drama and Social Justice, Power, Participation and Possibility, great title, uh, you say that social justice represents an aspiration to bring equality and fairness to bear in an area of society and community where a conspicuous or indeed hidden inequity exists. I would love to hear from all of you. How do you define social justice? I'll kick off, I think. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Um, Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, it's a deceptively simple statement that Michael Finner and I wrote in that chapter, I think. It makes it seem so easy to understand uh, and easy to identify. And of course, it's, it's not. It's an extremely complex Social justice in itself is an extremely con complex subject, and then its relationship with drama then equally complex. Mm. Um, I, you know, lately, um, Finner and I have been um, doing some further work, and we've extended that out a bit, and I found Nancy Fraser's definitions of social justice and justice in a globalised world to be really, really useful um, as a way of kind of framing the idea of social justice as it stands now in our world and then being able to understand how drama works within and for and of it. And what she says is that, well, she initially said that social justice is, is two different things. You know, we can talk about the redistributive element of social justice. So it's about, it's about the distribution of wealth and resources. So that's a really quite a practical idea of who has money, who has access to health, who has access to education, who has good transport and roads out to the areas that they live, things like that, the distribution and access to wealth and society. Uh, but then she said, you know, later, that was sort of initial later, then particularly people talk about in the 1960s, it sort of started to morph and a new form of social justice emerged that is much more connected to identity politics, mm. right? And so there we, she talks about recognition, uh, where we talk about things like we can look at the marriage equity debates and stuff that are actually about the need for people to not just have access to resources and access to wealth, but also have respect and dignity and recognition in the societies in which they live. And that's a justice element as well. And so she initially said that there were two forms of social justice. There was this idea of the redistribution, the sort of really practical elements of it, of who has what, and then the idea of who is respected, who is recognised and who is allowed here. You can see how drama would really play into kind of both of those things differently. Lately, she's come back and say there's a third element, actually, and that's representation. And she said what is missing from the conversation about redistribution and recognition is who is actually represented in those two things. And this is a really interesting space in our world at the moment, I think, because I'll give you kind of an example. When we talk about child poverty and trying to fix or think about child poverty, we talk about you know, education programs, we talk about access to resources, we talk about, you know, schooling systems that are accessible and culturally appropriate for students, we talk about all these things. But we're talking about Australian children there. When If we were talking about children in Africa, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about justice, we'd be talking about charity, mm -hmm. right? So it's a question of who gets... Similarly, when we talk about the recognition stuff, there's the global marriage equity kind of movement, right, which is very much a justice-based movement and is in many places in the world. And we talk about it as a global movement, but it is really only kind of the global north with a few specific expectations. There are countries that are just never represented in that discussion because they don't have, you know, countries that are so, no, so nowhere near the discussion where, you know, it's illegal for women to drive and, and it's illegal to be gay and people are put to death for it. Those people don't even enter the discussion. They're not represented there. So there are, when we think about what drama does in that space, the whole idea of bringing the unrepresented stories into the spaces of, of recognition is a really important part of it, I think. But though, so in terms of how do I define social justice at the moment, I'm using those three sorts of ideas, the ideas that social justice is about the distribution and access to resources and wealth. Social justice is about respect and recognition and dignity in society for groups of people. But also there's the critical aspect that social justice is also about who gets 
representation in those two spaces when we're talking about those two things. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, I think you just blew my mind. <laughs> it's well, I probably can do it anywhere near as eloquently as Nancy Fraser does. I would encourage anybody to read her work. It's really yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's quite a, a, a difficult um, act to follow, but I will give my two cents worth at this point in time. Um, and you know, certainly, I absolutely concur with what what Kelly was saying about the complex nature of social justice, um, because I think that that it, that it is truly one of the most complex um, concepts to really uh, come to grips with and you know my experience you know in South Africa and in, in Australia has certainly um, sort of drawn my attention most directly to that whole kind of notion of representation and it, it's why I got involved in social justice in the first place because I was working at a university in South Africa where at the end of a fourth year one of the students came to me and she said thank you for doing it, it was happened to be a drama a participatory storytelling that I did and, and she said thank you so much for doing that because I used a lot of South African, um, you, you know, traditional sort of ways of, of doing the participatory story. And she said, it's the first time in my entire four years at this university that I've actually felt like part of this university because I could actually, I could engage in, in those participatory storytelling practices. And for me, it's always been that kind of, been that, about that kind of giving voice to people who happen to be very marginalized and voices in a number of different um, sort of spaces. Yeah. And it's about collaboratively shifting and realigning both material resources and human resources. And it's about those power dynamics, you know, and, and, and those power dynamics are important, particularly for those marginalized and voiceless people in the world. And it's towards fair, equitable and inclusive access and opportunities, which is a hugely complex thing to to work with but it is what drives the whole kind of notion of social justice it's it's not always about equality it's really about that kind of equitable setting up of different um of different spaces for social justice and it's also about the notion of social justice being very contextualized so so what is what is social just justice in one space of the world is very, very different to what people see or view um, the very boundaries of social justice in other in, in other, other countries areas. and other areas and other spaces and, and it's and it, and it is about you know i mean one of the big things that is that it was always problematic in particularly in south africa was and kelly used the word charity um earlier on when she was was talking about some of these things it it was the kind of need that people felt to speak for those voiceless people what they were doing was was from a good space they wanted to change the world but in in a way they actually um made social justice even more difficult because they, they, they didn't really ever kind of um speak to the people who who really needed to to have that change happening and that access and that fairness happening um yeah. you know so 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 yes and I don't want to say how, for how long I have been using drama to, to, towards social equity because I started my teaching career in 1982 and I've basically been working <laughs> with drama since then. So probably some of the people who are watching and even maybe even Andrew wasn't even, wasn't even around very much at that point in time. You know? <laughs> but, but, but it is an on, ongoing thing and I, I think we learn more and more 
and we certainly have to learn from the spaces that we're working in rather than coming into spaces with our drama strategies and techniques and thinking we can just you know make that change without really carefully identifying what it is that, that is needed for that social justice yeah yeah i think that's a really good point about ensuring that if we're going into spaces with drama trying to look at or examine social justice in any way that we are aware of who we are in that space and who it is that we need to be listening to in that space as well andrew is there anything you wanted to add to that discussion of social justice uh, Carol said uh, uh, Kelly was a hard act to follow, but I, I've just got two hard acts to follow then. <laughs> um, you know, two very um, experienced um, voices in social justice, whereas, um, you know, I, I'm not researching anything into social justice at the moment, but I, I guess what I, I see social justice is what's been happening in our world lately. Um, you know, we've had the Black Lives Matter movement, um, we just Pride Month, you know, just thinking back to the last few weeks of school when I developed uh, teaching resources around reconciliation week um, so yeah I agree with Kelly and Carol about it's it's about making change and giving voice to the voiceless and you know in terms of the drama classroom um, sure an activity um, with the year seven group on a Thursday afternoon it possibly won't change the world but it is getting the, the kids minds opened and, and getting those discussions happening and letting them think about what um, is going on in their world and what they can hopefully be the leaders of change in the future. Yeah, yeah. A great uh, segue into the next question I wanted to ask. So thank you, Andrew. Um, we all know, because we all work in drama education, that it can be powerful and bring about change. But I wanted to examine what in particular do we mean by this when we say that it's powerful and can bring about change? And how do we use drama to explore social issues or change? Did anyone want to comment on that? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. Uh, whew, that's, a, it's a, that's a big question. Okay. So I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to do is, is a little caveat that says I, I do think that drama, of course I do think that drama can be powerful and drama can bring about change. And I've worked in drama my entire adult life and love it and think it's an incredibly um, positive force in the world. But I also just want to note that it's, in its own way, it's fairly morally neutral in the sense that I think there is an, there is an assumed connection because of, a, I think, a, a past that is very connected to things like Bowalian theatre of the oppressed um, and critical pedagogy and things like that, that there's a sort of an assumed connection that drama is a socially just thing to do. I think that there's a lot of drama that doesn't create change. Um, I think that drama and performance can be used specifically not to create change. I think that we talk about agency a lot with students, but one thing about agency is that there's a, a lot of research that would suggest that when given agency, a lot of people will choose to maintain the, the status quo. Um, and that if we're genuinely giving agency in drama, then we have to allow for that to happen. And Danny Snyder-Young has this brilliant thing in her book, Theatre for Good Intentions, where she's, she reminds us that popular ideas are not necessarily progressive. And if we're going to give power to our participants to really um, allow their ideas to come to the fore, we have to allow for popular ideas to come to the fore that are not necessarily progressive. And so we have to really be considering what our intention is going in. And if our intention is to change, in ways that are progressive and, and let's say socially just, um, we have to then acknowledge that we are taking some power away from our participants. 
in mm. that sense in yeah. terms of um, so I'm going to say that um, but then the other thing I, I want to say is that I think one of the, the beautiful things that drama gives and and Finna and I talked about it in that chapter when we we, we tried to allude, talk about it when we talked about the difference between drama for social justice and drama about social justice. We were talking about drama for social justice being very specifically drama that is going in trying with an emancipatory intent. I am going in to make change here, right? I am going in to make this kind of change on this kind of identified problem. I'm doing an applied theatre piece about domestic violence. I'm, you know, I'm going in and I'm working with the students specifically about bullying or something like that. But then there's a huge amount of drama work that happens in drama classes all over the world that is actually just giving students and young people the opportunity to explore the social world in a safe place, mm. to take on roles, be someone else, um, think about perspectives, work with people that they might not have worked with, um, all those sorts of things that are actually not specifically emancipatory intent necessarily, but have imbued in them this idea of what it is to live with others in a, in a way that is positive and progressive in the world. What it is to understand, if you are a 15-year-old boy, what it is to understand what it might be like or try and guess what it might be like to be a mother in this situation or yeah. to be, you know, or to be fighting with this person and needing to solve a problem, even if it's not specifically about making some sort of social change. And I think that that's a really, really key part of what participatory drama does that is often overlooked in the social justice literature um, that, that I think can be really, really powerful and important in students' lives. And, and students remember those experiences, right? I, I think that embodied and relational nature of the work um, and the emotion, and it's not scared of emotions either. And I think that's a really powerful thing in a world that is increasingly trying to make everything less about emotion, less about, more about convenience, you know, more about standardised response. Yeah, uh, the yeah. The gift that drama can give. I think it, when you talk, I, I love that, def, that differentiation between drama for social justice and drama about social justice. And I think that's an important one to have. Um, I mean, you could argue that even if you're not going in with uh, intent of change, that when we explore ideas of social justice, even if it's just about social justice, long-term, we never know, it could in include change. But the intent going in is not to necessarily create change then and there. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. That's a, a good way of thinking about it because, as you say, I think in our classrooms, we naturally have those drama um, situations about social justice naturally occurring each and every day. I don't know about others, but, you know, in my classroom, it occurs in general conversations as a question is raised about a character in a play and then suddenly we're talking about a social justice issue. Yeah, and when you're working in participatory drama, if students have an opinion about something or they have an idea, it's not, it doesn't become just their individual thing. They often will have to then justify it and explain it and recruit yeah. others into the idea so that it can be used in the drama. I yeah. want the mother to be like this or I think we should do this in the improvisation or whatever it is. They have to kind of have a way of, of making it relevant to everybody around them and reaching some sort of consensus, consensus about what's happening. And therefore 
their views get necessarily negotiated, which I think is a really positive thing too. Yeah, yeah. I guess especially in this day and age where they're navigating a world, our students are navigating a world where you're very quickly shut down, that safety of the drama space in order to be able to argue your point or explore an idea in uh, improvised or performance setting is huge um, for them to be able to start to form opinions and um, basis for their arguments as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that, that absolutely um, that, that what you both have been saying is, is, is really, really important. And while Kelly was talking initially about, you know, just to say that drama, you know, doesn't always have to be um, a space of social justice. I was thinking about myself as a very young, very uh, fanatical drama teacher who kind of believed that everything in the world could be sorted out with, you know, going <laughs> using using drama processes. And I remember reading um, a lot of Jonathan Nealon's work at that time that sort of said, you know, that, that if you, it's not about, uh, uh, you know, drama, the drama itself, but what you do with drama that, that, that actually instigates that change. And, you know, I've had, I've had both, both, you know, practically I've had both sides of that where in some ways I felt like I was, you know, not promoting any kind of social justice at all. Um, I remember a particular example when um, I was working with little year two children and I was trying to show them how, you know, bad it was to keep animals in captivity. Um, and um, they, they ended up, whatever side I took, they just ended up kind of agreeing with me because I was the teacher. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I kind of, uh, derailed it and in the end they were all kind of yes you know animals must be in zoos and I'm going no 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 that's not <laughs> what I what I wanted to do and I remember inviting my friend Warren Neby who's a, who's who, who's a director of drama for life in in South Africa to come into the classroom so that I could have two people enroll you know to get that kind of dialogical conversation going and and get the students to really think about about their their perspectives and their views um and and you know it is it is it is very difficult and also you know sometimes we as drama teachers we say that we want you know students to have agency but if it's not convenient we kind of end up you know uh, shooting that in the foot as well and two examples i mean i i was actually very good and i i let the students have agency, but could have gone very, 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 very wrong. And the one was when I was doing my PhD research and I set up this whole drama where I really wanted uh, students to look at oral art forms. And so this grandmother was 100 years old and there were family members coming to, you know, her birthday party. And my aim was to get them to look at, uh, you know, sort of different oral art forms from South Africa that would kind of feed into that or from the world. Um, and the students decided that we were a dysfunctional family. So in, end, in the end, instead of doing all of that, we ended up having to, to, to look at uh, conflict resolution skills, um, which completely derailed my agenda, but did also show how powerfully um, uh, um, drama can, um, you know, can really 
give, give students agency. And the other happened fairly recently when I was trying to get them to think about theorists like Piaget and, and Mont, uh, Montessori and Vygotsky and all of those people. And they ended up actually, um, and so I wanted them to argue as, as people that had one parachute, you know, left, their particular theorist would, would, would actually need the parachute. And they ended up shooting me in the foot again and saying, um, no, well, actually, um, we, we think that, that, that we don't, as, as old theorists, we don't need uh, the parachute at all. We need to give it to some younger people who <laughs> really their lives are important and all of that. So I had to change my whole kind of, uh, um, you know, way of, of doing and being. So I think that that for me has always been the exciting part of, of looking at drama and real, real agency and real work in, in, that, in that line. I think there's a bit of a fuzzy line between the for and the about, because I think it can be both at the same time. But I think that what's, what's, what's useful with, for that is is, is, is in, in terms of the purpose that, that the drama is being uh, um, used. So, so if we know it's drama about a, a particular issue, then, then, then it feels very different for the audience. And, and I mean, if there's an audience and the participants, mm. um, then if it's, you know, about those skills and that critical, you know, conversations and dialogical spaces and all of those, all of those kinds of things. Can I just come in, Carol, there, just to respond to something you said? You said yeah, something really interesting sure. that I'd like to pick up on. Sure. Um, I, the, the point about agency here is really interesting, and you, you were talking about how, as a teacher, I think that we have to remember that as a teacher that works in institutions, the institution does not give students agency, right? Yeah. Um, like, we actually, we work in institutions that really don't give students agency. Um, and in some ways, one of the reasons why drama is such a special subject is because students get more agency in drama than they might in other places, yeah. or at least there's a sense of it. Um, but like Carol says there, you know, there are times, it's actually a really blurry line there because there are times when your responsibility as the adult in the room, as the teacher in the room, um, is to stop students from taking the agency that you would want to give them. And we would, we might, you know, there are lots of instances that we could all think of where we'd need to do that. Where, for instance, if they're going off in a tangent that's not going to cover the curriculum, because we have a responsibility to cover the curriculum with our students. But mm. more as well, likely in these sorts of spaces when we're dealing with contentious issues, we've got to acknowledge that we need to have responsibility for the safety, the emotional safety of everybody in a room. And if the, the students, if we give the students to take the, the agency to take the drama wherever they want to take it, if they start to take it somewhere we think could end up damaging, we, you know, so we, yeah, it's a sort of an agency but situation. Um, yeah. that I think Carol talked about really nicely there. Most importantly for me, what what drama does is is to create create those spaces where we can, we, we, we can have those kind of critical conversations, and we can and and we can you know look at the play for the teacher and the play for the students at the same time, rather than kind of just you know automatically just assuming that, 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 that we're not going to give them any kind of agency, which is, which is like, as, as Kelly says, you know, universities and, 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 and educational settings are certainly not geared up to, to provide agency for, for students. Um, and I see that as part of my mission to, to make sure that they do actually get that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting what Kelly said about the agency, but um, because that, that is true. We, you know, we set up activities in the drama classroom where we may be exploring a topic and, yeah, sometimes they do start to veer in an area that you think, oh, okay, this is getting, this is getting a bit scary. Um, but what I love about those moments 
is those conversations that you end up then having with the students. And yeah, we, of course, we've got to look after the safety of, um, of our students and we're not going to do it, put on any performances in the classroom that can be, um, you know, can be hurtful or damaging to another classmate. But um, the, the rich, rich conversations and the, the, the looks on the, um, the students' faces when you provoke those, those questions to them yeah. and then see their thinking and their unpacking of that idea or that concept is one of those teachable moments where you go, ah, yes. And then, you know, hopefully they then walk away from that and manipulate their performance to, to um, explore that new thought process that they've had. I had this student recently that um, he's a little, little on the cheeky side, um, like, likes to drop some F-bombs here and there and um, <laughs> little on the cheeky, one of those students that you love to love, love to hate. Love, love. <laughs> um, and we were doing some scene work and he's sort of hesitant to get involved but um, as the semester went on he was getting more involved and I gave them a scene where he had to um, call a, a girl in the scene a, um, can I swear? I'm not allowed to swear. Uh, the, <laughs> B, the B word. Um, and Initially, he got really kind of excited and thought this was hilarious. But as the rehearsal process was going on, I checked in with him and I wanted to see how he'd handle it. And he actually turned around to me and said, I don't feel comfortable calling her this. Mm. And I was like, yes, yes. So someone who might, you know, he's kind of that kid that would throw out a word like that and not really think about the meaning of it. But then actually putting it into practice in that um, rehearsal process with his friend and realising that he didn't actually like the fact that the character called him this and we discussed the character and why did she say this and, um, you know, talked about the whole issue around, um, you know, women and even got into a conversation about, ended up a conversation about violence against women. Mm -hmm. um, and he refused to say that. And I just, I, that's like a, a moment where I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you agency here in a way. I'm going to see where this goes. And then he turned it around. And so, I, you know, I feel like in some, in some way that was a social justice moment for that boy. Mm. That he really acknowledged that language um, for a year seven student, I thought was really powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, it is those moments. It is, on the one hand, this is an incredibly complex area to talk about in regards to drama. And on the other hand, it's incredibly simple um, because those moments do occur in our classrooms um, without us even necessarily planning around those moments uh, because of the nature of the subject and the plays and the characters you take on and the language you use and all of those things naturally come about as well. So it is kind of both in and of itself at the same time, very complex and very simple. Um, you all explore different issues and areas within your work. I'm going to get each of you to explain what your particular focus is and just briefly talk to us about what it is that you do with your work. Andrew, because you've been last every time, we might get you to start. Um, yeah, great. Um, so, yeah, my research, um, my case study, which was meant to happen this year, thank you, COVID-19, for <laughs> messing with that. So I've been looking at, um, so the VCE theatre studies um, 
program, so um, that's the year 11 and 12 program, is all about interpreting scripts for an audience and um, became a conversation around um, contemporary Indigenous theatre and can that be done in the classroom? And then I'll sort of backtrack a few years. Sorry, I should have started with this. The Obituary Theatre Company in Melbourne, which is um, the First Nations Theatre Company, the education manager there, Kamara Bell-Whites, was getting a lot of phone calls from teachers going, how do I do this? How do I incorporate First Nations cultures, histories and perspectives in my classroom? What do I do? What do I do? And she was like, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I've got the right answer. Um, so she convened an advisory panel, uh, which I was very you know, um, thankful to be a part of, with um, First Nations artists. And we sat down for a few sessions just talking it out and really setting up that difference between professional and educational and what is right and wrong in the professional sphere um, is that the same for the educational sphere like mm. can we do this in the classroom um, we're not taking work away from artists it, it's all about making sure that our students are engaging with first nations culture in the classroom and so then um, dr rachel forgas from monash university um, and um, Kamara, they started to formulate an advice for teachers document, um, which we released this year with the support of VAI, which is um, the Victorian Aboriginal Education Association. Um, and the teaching resource is an advice document for teachers. It's not a do's and don'ts. It's a, a whole list of provocations which came up from the advisory panel about how to do this, whether you're devising work or whether you're looking at interpreting a script for an audience. So for the past four years, um, the year 11 class at my school, which was now my old school, um, and another school in Melbourne have been exploring um, producing contemporary Indigenous theatre in the classroom. So that's what my master's is going to be about, is how do, how do students play First Nations characters? Yeah. And it's complex and, um, you know, there's a, a lot to be... A lot to think about, um, a lot to consider, but it can be done and it can be done in a respectful way that is acknowledging the fact that these are non-Indigenous students exploring um, Indigenous characters. And it's that sort of embodied empathy that the students get of putting them, this is where drama is so powerful, like it was Kelly saying before, by putting yourself into someone else's position um, mm -hmm. to understand their perspective and what's going on. Um, for them. So, yeah, that's um, that's the research. Yeah, wow. Uh, I think that's incredibly needed uh, in the drama space to look at that. I know myself in New South Wales, we have to, well, we don't have to actually, but there is an option of teaching an Indigenous play in one of the areas for the HSC. And I think there's a document written by Wesley Enoch a couple of mm -hmm. years ago where he spoke about the problems and um, different things that you can or can't do, I guess, or things to consider when it comes to performing um, Indigenous plays within the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know for myself in the classroom, it definitely is something that comes up. Some students are very surprised that we'd go anywhere near workshopping these scenes. 
as non-Indigenous participants. Uh, others are very willing to and have, it hasn't even crossed their mind that that might be an issue. Um, so I'm very glad you're doing some work in this because I yeah. know teachers want to be able to explore these issues that students have coming up around them. But it's just so complex to know how to do that in drama when you have a classroom of non-Indigenous students or mainly non-Indigenous students yeah. and you're looking at Indigenous contemporary work. Yeah, Wesley's, Wesley's fantastic and he's so supportive of this happening in the classroom. Um, my students have done um, Black Medea, Seven Stages of Grieving um, and, of course, you know, applied for performance rights, which the, the playwright needs to give consent to. Um, and I spoke to Wesley, he was our keynote at the um, at our Jumpstart conference two years ago. Gave a powerful keynote, but I got the chance to meet him afterwards and say, look, I, I really want to do this in the classroom. He's like, do it, go. Yeah. You know, this is the, the benefit for the students to engage with this work. Um, and also, look, there's beautiful plays being written by First Nations playwrights. and. You know, we could be keep doing the dead white men for the rest of our lives in the classroom, but, mm. but there is beautiful work being written and produced in Australia that is um, being ignored um, and not celebrated. Um, so I think that's another thing that is is really powerful about doing this: is telling our stories, our our collective Australian. First Nations stories. Mm, mm. I come into this. I think this is really amazing work, Andrew. And I think as well, I just, I'm just thinking about randomly thinking about things like my Facebook feed, where in, during this sort of latest resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, there's now there's so much discussion about our need as kind of as white Australians um, to check our privilege and to understand our privilege, right? And it's interesting what you were just saying then, Sonia, about some students going, well, we shouldn't do this at all, and other students going, oh, I don't see, I've never thought this would be a problem. And both of those are kind of problematic, right? Yeah. Um, you, kind of, you want students to be living in that grey space where they're, they're aware of their need to be respectful, but also I, I, I worry that we're never in a situation that we can properly check our privilege if we don't understand and are educated about the situation at hand and part of that is understanding the perspectives of the people that are living the disadvantage or the oppression yeah uh, and i'm not saying that this is some sort of magic bullet solution but i think that this is just such a really a really important beginning in that work uh, for young people um, to make it about teaching them i don't think that probably any of us but certainly i think about young people in the way that they're learning in school today and i've got young children going through school now i don't think that they're I think they're being taught to avoid difficult things rather than engage with them respectfully. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that this, this teaches children how important it is to engage respectively in discussions where they hold power and privilege and to understand what that means. Mm. Um, and until we do teach kids how to do that, they're never going to be able to check their privilege. Right? I think it's a really, really um, important step. I think it's a great project. Yeah, and indeed the drama classroom can do that on so many levels, can't it? Because we can look at so many different issues. So, Andrew, you're doing Indigenous theatre. My speciality is women in theatre and getting more women in the curriculum, um, those kinds of things. And it's definitely, you know, I have teachers say from boys' schools, well, look, Sonia, I couldn't teach 
what you want me to be teaching about women in theatre in a boys' school because it's an all-boys school. And I say to them, what do you think girls' schools have been teaching for the last 100 years in drama? We have been playing the parts of men. Um, But it is that idea of expanding and giving opportunities for there to be that exploration of embodied empathy, I think, Andrew, you were referring to it as as well. And the drama classroom really does allow for that in a very unique and special way, I think, perhaps more so than any other um, area in their school history. So to give them that opportunity to go out into the world having kind of like explored that uh, is fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting when I've run um, workshops for teachers um, who are interested in this area, um, the amount of times, you know, we start off with like, well, okay, well, what do you do in, in your classroom that's um, related to First Nations? And so many times the responses are, oh, I don't do anything. I'm too worried. I, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't yeah. want to get it wrong. And my response to that is it's, it's no longer good enough to, to let fear stop you. Um, it's worse to do nothing than to do something and maybe stuff it up the first time, maybe you will, and hopefully you're a good teacher that you reflect on that and then you you do some more reading, you do some more research, you put more thought into it, you try it again a second time um, and you may get it a little bit better. Um, we're, not, we're not perfect. Um, we can make mistakes, um, but not doing it is worse than, um, yes, yeah, so doing it and getting it wrong is not as bad as not doing it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that 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 drama always is about taking those risks and and um, you know, finding those uncomfortable in some ways um, uh, spaces. The very first experience that I I had as a, as a young teacher, and you have to understand that I was teaching in South Africa in the apartheid era, um, and I was so so my first class was a, a group of white girls exclusively. Mm. Um, but at the same time, because of my family's political agendas, etc., I was very involved um, in in the so-called black townships, and I illegally was involved with um, drama groups that were working in 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 the black townships, predominantly teenage uh, boys. It just happened that the boys were the ones we could um, sort of recruit more there were a few uh, teenage girls as well and I took a big risk because I, I took my group that I had, had sort of formed in the township took them into my extracurriculum um, drama class um, in in this privileged white uh, uh, girl all girls school um, and got them to do some ensemble work together um, and you know there were there were all sorts of um, you know repercussions in terms of you know people complaints laid etc but that work was the the most still the most powerful work I've ever done um, in terms of you know looking at culturally and linguistically diverse and 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 different socio-economic status etc and I'm in contact with all of those people they're now you know got their own children and some in some cases grandchildren and every single one of those people that were involved in that um in that particular um group they may not all have made huge changes but every single one of them was impacted in some way and their lives show that they were impacted by that that bringing together people that were fundamentally um you know and diametrically opposite in in some of their views um 
um, and some of their ways of, and most, and all, all of their ways of living. Um, and I think it's, it, you know, it is important to, to kind of, um, you know, push those boundaries and keep pushing those boundaries. Um, and, and then when I, when I was working as an NGO in, in a, um, in South Africa um, called Young People Theatre Education Trust. Um, we also, you know, ended up having, we did a lot of that same sort of work. Um, and and, and um, I just, you know, I just know from my own experience that unless you kind of make people, or not make them, but unless you, you get them to confront their privilege or confront the, 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 some of the, the, the differences as well as obviously, you know, I don't think differences preclude similarities, but, you know, particularly those differences that need to be challenged and, 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 and for life to really be, be transformed and, and changed in, in, in any kind of radical way. Um, and then, you know, if we, if we look at, um, if, if you look at my work now, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone on this journey from, from being very much involved in it, drama and, and, and then also with my, all my other teaching experience. I've been in a drama education, particularly for teacher training. But at the moment, I'm working in a very different capacity. I'm working in an enabling program with, um, with students that are, are, are largely domestic, um, or just about all domestic um, Australians, um, or at least um, you know have got citizenship recently, um, and um, and the focus has 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 changed for me quite a lot. And and the only way I'm using drama at the moment is because. I will always use drama, but but I'm not specifically paid to 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 work in a drama sort of field. But still, you know, even there, um, when we're working with um, adults um, who've had lots who, who, who who've had lots of socioeconomic disadvantage and have had lots of school um, issues and challenges, and most of them. Are in the enabling programs because they don't haven't got the correct scores to get into university and so on. Um, even within that, when we talk about you know indigenous challenges and practices and things like that, there is an enormous amount of 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 education that needs to happen because um, largely the group that I work with are so um, unaware of. Of, of some of those, you know, those those um, issues surrounding Indigenous education. So yeah. you're currently working with adults who need some help getting into the university. System. That's right. That's right. But of course, because I, you know, live, breathe, and sleep drama, you know, they 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 do. You know, and that's that's the, some of the work that I've done in terms of research with Richard Salas is looking at using drama in, in in different spaces and for me it's the enabling space and 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 the and the largest sort of um i i think the largest achievement in terms of using drama with with that group is not so much kind of transformation and change but really that confidence building that drama can also provide yeah. um and then i'm also richard and i you know because we work uh, sort of across thing uh, what what he's really largely um, bringing to our research is, is the work with international students who don't really who are not really comfortable going into schools when they do their teacher uh, the teacher education um, and so so we, we we've been looking at ways of, of, of using drama for that as well and, and that's largely through using verbatim um, 
monologues um, of real th issues that have happened in the schools when people have been on on practical teaching rounds and then getting the the um the students to then um reflect on and discuss and see what they've learned from those but then also creating their own um their own as if and as is worlds yeah great yeah yeah and kelly do you want to briefly talk about the work that you're doing as well um I, I just briefly, very briefly, I guess, I might, I do, I'm in a teaching and research capacity at the University of Sydney and my research is really about, at the moment I'm really trying to explore kind of critical perspectives on the relationship between drama and these times, like these, this very interesting time that we're living in. I'm, mm. I'm at the moment authoring a book with Michael Finneran, who I wrote and edited the book on drama and social justice with, that is looking at the way that drama is... Um, impacted by and impacting on these times in relation to things like climate change and migration and, um, you know, uh, schooling systems and, and uh, globalisation and stuff like that. So it's a massive book. But it's well, what I guess we're trying to do is just chart the territory a little bit and try and understand um, when we talk about drama as something that makes change, what do we actually mean by that? Um, because it's something we say all the time that drama creates change. And um, so, so my, my research work's really been focused on kind of bringing a critical perspective to, to what do we mean by drama or applied theatre as something that either promotes a social good or makes change in the world. Mm. Um, and I guess and my teaching work is, uh, you know, I work in teacher education, so I, I work in the, um, I train secondary education, I, I train high school teachers um, in drama and social justice um, and in general pedagogy too. And it was interesting, something you said before, Sonia, where you were talking about the moments and how these things happen in the moments. And I get so often, I have students, you know, young um, pre-service teachers coming up to me and saying, you know, you talk about you talk about these big ideas about social justice, but how do I do that <laughs> when I'm a teacher? What is, like, what does that even look like? And it's interesting, more and more I'm coming to this idea that it's this very sort of kind of unsexy answer that you have to give students is that you do it day by day. You do it by showing up, being consistent and attending to the moments of your classroom. Mm. It is actually about the way that you respond to students, the comments that you leave in workbooks, what you plan, the extent to which you use group work, when you use a good worksheet, all of those little moments that make up our classrooms. And so I've been trying to, trying to understand from a teaching perspective, how could we give pre-service teachers a sort of a, an overarching framework that is idealistic, but also allows them to build specific sorts of ways of acting and being in a classroom that attend to the very small moments that make a difference in mm. our lives. Um, it's a work in progress. I've only been doing it about 15 years, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, uh, but you know, it's, that's the thing. It's, I think that when we teach people how to be teachers, it's very hard to get that middle ground. We can, we can teach them the big overarching idealistic or theoretical ideas about what it is we do in a classroom, what is good pedagogy. And then we can kind of teach them the, the everyday, how do you respond to this particular situation or how do you plan this type of thing in a lesson? But how do you connect those two things up? That's a very interesting question for us, I think, as we move into training, yeah. teaching people how to be good teachers in this system. 
Well, it kind of leads on to the next question as well, because <laughs> I wanted to ask, we have the same thing happen at Drama New South Wales. We have teachers get in touch with us and say, there's so much going on in this world right now. I want to yeah. be able to look at or explore social justice issues in my classroom. How do I go about doing that? Um, and what are the practical things I can put in place? And as you've just kind of mentioned, Kelly, it's a really difficult answer. But does anyone have any thoughts on um, advice or wisdom that they can give to teachers who are looking to kind of expand or explore um, in a more deliberate way uh, social justice issues in the drama classroom? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, um, I think that, that first of all, I would encourage anyone who is he's, he's really serious about, you know, looking at social justice issues to really um, examine or to look at who the students are that you're working with and look at the rich resources that are right there in that classroom in terms of, um, you know, interests or, or actual kind of needs in terms of social justice, etc. And secondly, you know, I think that for people, you know, who are working in the coalface, there's so many interesting pretexts or texts out there that kind of already can can be used as that as that you know springboard into um, into looking at, at 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 different issues and you know I, I go back to what Andrew's saying in terms of you know really you know looking at what's out there in terms of you know indigenous writers um, and 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 people you know writing about different you know things like sustainability the environment etc. There's just so many resources out there that can be used you know as as a stepping stone. So, so those would those would be my my major um, pieces of advice. I also, if there's anyone, particularly in the Newcastle kind of region, etc., that's listening to this, if you even just want somebody to bounce ideas off, or you know, get involved in trying to plan something, you know, towards social justice, um, etc., I'm more than happy to um, to offer my services for free and and not you know, to have my name put on any of those or any of those things. So, um, you know. Yeah. And I guess that raises an important point as well about ensuring that you are um, in drama communities where um, this work is happening and that you are getting in touch with people who are perhaps more experienced about it, um, experienced doing this work in how to lead you through that. Because I think a lot of the time as drama teachers, we get scared about you know, launching into something ourselves and it might be nice to make contact with somebody who has a bit of experience in it, hear their experiences, hear their kind of pitfalls and what didn't work and um, then go and plan uh, in conjunction with somebody else for something. So yeah. I, I think that's a great practical point that you make. And, um, and also, um, you know, I've, if, if anyone gets hold of, 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 of my book, um, The Child in Focus, um, especially in the, the the chapter on 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 the arts, um, they are very practical, you know, um, uh, lessons in a way, like lesson plans that that you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Um, yep. Andrew, do you have any advice? Because, I mean, you're essentially doing this as well. You were just saying before that you just thought, well, I want to start doing this and you've started doing stuff in your own classroom. How did you go about that and what advice do you have for others who want to practically start exploring some of these issues? Well, one thing you can do is um, access the Advice for Teachers document that's, 
that's now free to anyone, um, free for anyone to use, and that can be accessed um, at Ilbidri Theatre um, on their website. Um, you can contact Drama Victoria; they can give it to you. It's um, got some great advice in it. Um, look, for, for me, the reason why I really got passionate about doing this was personal, and that's because it, in my twenties I found out that I I have First Nations heritage that I I didn't know about. And it made me, sort of when I found out that, it made me reflect on the fact that if I look at my education um, history, I, I got taught nothing. I, I knew nothing. I knew the, the tokenistic things that, that were out in the world. Oh, rainbow serpent, sure. Um, so in some ways it was um, kind of a selfish thing for me to do because I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do this for my students but I'm doing it for me as well so that I can learn, so that I can be taught things, um, so we can learn, go on this journey together. And so that's, I guess, where I did it. So if, I think if you look at it from that perspective that you're not just teaching it because it's part of the curriculum, uh, and it is. It's a priority. We must do this. Yeah. It's just do it. Um, it's about you learning things as well as a teacher. Um, and that's why I'm really, I really believe in that be, um, be brave and try it. Um, give it a go. And as I said before, if you, if you make a mistake, you learn from it and you, and you grow. So yeah. That's sort of my advice around it. I guess. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> do it. And just... the thing is, once, once we finish our workshop that we've been running um, recently, and the feedback from teachers as they're walking out of the workshop is, I feel empowered. I feel like this document is giving me enough um, support to go into the classroom and do it. And they say, we needed something like this. Um, so that's why we're like, so uber proud of it. And to have, you know, VAI um, endorse, um, you know, officially endorse a document, not that that means that it, it's speaking on behalf of every First Nations person on, in, in the world, um, but, you know, they are saying as an educational resource, it's good. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, and just for those listening, Drama New South Wales also has access to this document and guidelines, and I will put a link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, Kelly, did you have any advice or um, wisdom for teachers thinking about exploring this? I've got advice um, with the caveat that it may not be wisdom. Um, <laughs> I actually have three things to say. First, I want to pick up on the things that Andrew was saying there um, about being brave and about kind of just doing it and partly doing it, just doing it because you should do it, you should learn. Because if, you know, if it's something that you want to do, it's an opportunity for you to learn. If things go wrong, that will be a learning space for you. But also because we have a responsibility as teachers to do this kind of work too, whether it's in the curriculum or not. I mean, there is, there is a, a sense that education is there to help young people make sense of the world and their place in it and, and you know, potential pathways through it. And this world, you cannot understand this world without butting up against some sort of social justice or injustice at this particular point in time, I don't think. Um, but alongside that too, I would just say something that Andrew said before as well, where he said, you watch students face when you ask them these questions. More and more, I've just actually researched a chapter on youth and, and theatre and performance as protest theatre. And more and more, I am convinced that it is the children of this world that are going to save us. Yeah. Um, you know, the things that... 
the flexibility with which they can live in this world is incredible. Um, and as more and more particularly, I think, as young people are realising that a generation of older people that, um, like it or not, we're all probably a part of, um, that is supposed to be looking after the children and the youth of the world is actually screwing their future by not doing anything about climate change. And I think the more and more young people that are realising that, the more and more they're starting to take responsibility for activism and resistance. So the other thing, not just be brave, but also acknowledge that young people actually have things to say about this yes. and schools are set up at the moment not to let them talk about it, right? They are never asked these questions. That's why their faces kind of are shocked and, and amazed and light up when they get the opportunity to talk about things. The idea that the young people, particularly people in working at high schools with teenagers, but even younger, the idea that they don't have ideas about this that they want to ex express and explore is wrong, I think. And so the more brave we can be as teachers, not only the more spaces will we give them to be able to express these in ways that engage more and more with actual facts and actual education and, and, and give them opportunities to voice their experiences, but also the more that we will learn from them about the experiences of young people in the world, which I think is gonna be a really important um, piece, I think, if we're gonna move forward in these times. That's just my little soapbox. Conrad Hughes wrote a book called Understanding Prejudice in Education, which actually kind of outlines a framework for how teachers, not drama teachers necessarily, any teacher, might understand how we could systematically use schools and education to combat prejudice, mm. uh, which I found really useful when thinking about how I talk to teachers about their work. Um, there's a new book out um, Alison Grove O'Grady wrote called Pedagogy, Empathy and Praxis, Using Theatrical Traditions to Teach. And she actually uses a combination of drama pedagogy and human rights-based practices to think about how we can teach empathy in the classroom um, and look at kind of history and, and specific social contexts, and um, which I think would, is a really useful tool for teachers. So there are lots of, and there, I mean, that's to name two out of hundreds, right? So I think the other thing is that if you are really interested in it, um, to do a bit of reading around it. There's so much good work out there by people who have been doing it for a really long time uh, that I think can, can help. I'd say be brave on Andrew's thing. Think about how you're going to distance and provide safety. And then if you want to even more into it, actually do some reading around it because there's some lots of really great ideas out there. I think that as we move forward over the next, you know, few years, decades, whatever it is, Teachers are going to have to get more and more involved in seeing themselves as advocates and activists for youth. Yeah. Um, I see a system, this is just my, I see a system that's kind of closing down on our kids a bit. Um, and I think that drama teachers particularly are in a unique opportunity to try to ensure there's still spaces for openness and dialogue um, and play uh, and emotion. Uh, in a system that doesn't necessarily value those things. Uh, and increasingly, you know, we just had New South Wales has just said that we're going to develop a new back to basics curriculum <laughs> again. Um, so, you know, uh, I just, I think I would just, I would love to say to fellow drama teachers out there that um, in any way that I could possibly support uh, the idea that more and more teaching is becoming a subversive activity uh, if it's done really well, um, and that it's it's becoming a space for us to 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 be advocates for the activism of our children, 
and for their development and for their taking on new perspectives and, you know, trying to be active, agentive participants in the world. Um, if there's anything that anybody thinks that I could do to support them in that, email me. I am on your team. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. I think um, I, I know myself, this is my first few days of holidays right now. And last week I was feeling incredibly exhausted for one from the term that we've had, but also incredibly disillusioned um, with education at the moment and all the changes that are happening. And, uh, you know, I was, I found myself in a place where I thought, what am I doing here? But I do think these professional discussions, these discussions where we sit down and talk about social justice and what it looks like in our classrooms and what it is that we are doing are incredibly important for us as teachers in bringing ourselves back to the heart of why it is that we teach and what it is we're trying to do through education. And, um, you know, I know everybody has different stories as to how they got into teaching and what it is that they're doing, but I would like to think, and perhaps this is idealistic of me, but that we're all there to ensure that the next generation of people um, that are rising up after us are the ones that know how to communicate effectively with one another, how to show great empathy to one another and how to consider in a really thoughtful and nuanced way the future of the world that we're in and what that might look like. And I do think there are many, many stories out there um, at drama conferences, um, in drama journals, uh, in podcasts by other drama educators that show us the truth that these things are making change in the world uh, and that it is worthwhile, it is always worthwhile exploring social justice in our classrooms because it does make change and it does impact uh, the dialogue of the students that we have uh, in our classrooms. Uh, thank you to all of you for contributing to this discussion today. Um, as I said, there's so much more that we could say on this, but um, I'm hoping that for those who tuned in today and are listening to this podcast, that it is just a nice, timely reminder that um, there is good work going on and there is good work that we can be doing in our future. So thank you. And there you have it, another podcast from Java New South Wales. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. It's these kinds of discussions that take us out of the syllabus and place us back into what it is that we're really doing in drama that inspire, encourage and refresh us as teachers. If you have any other ideas or big topics that you'd like us to have a look at, as always, please get in touch with us via our social media and let us know what your thoughts are. For now, thank you and goodbye.